Welcome to Sermons in the Park, a ministry exploring biblical truth from the Word of God, focusing on the truths that help us in our daily walk with Christ in every aspect of our lives. Now, here is your Reverend, Jamie McCaskill. Hello, brothers and sisters, and welcome back to an all-new Sermons in the Park. As always, I am your Reverend Jamie McCaskill. I want to take this time once again to thank you for joining me here like we do each and every time. Uh, I want to address that do you like the new video setup I've got a new uh, camera right there this is an actual uh, an actual nice camcorder so you're getting that now instead of the um, this thing which I was using this uh this actually is just a little cheap web camera that I, I would balance on the um, top of my laptop here and um, yeah, it it made setup take a lot longer than it honestly needed to be. So, um, as I said, we're always kind of trying to improve what little bit we can. Jennifer can tell you that we're we're slowly working up. That's why I like the audio recorder for the podcast is such high quality. Um, now this digital this camera that I'm using this camcorder. It's not the top of the line, but it's better and I'm pretty sure you noticed that already so I just want to slowly kind of as I can Improve what I can when I can Because the ministry deserves the best that I can put into it and That's what you're seeing here. So again, thank you for joining me here now over on the podcast these people who Tune in on the podcast, those Bible thumpers over there who only listen to the podcast. Which, hey, I'm all for that too. They probably don't even know what I'm talking about. So if you're over on the podcast and you want to know what I'm talking about, go over to YouTube, BitChute, Rumble, whatever, and you'll be able to see the improvements that have been made on the, the, on the, 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 the front as far as the video. Um, because on the podcast, they've had this nice quality audio the whole time. Um, the uh, first thing I improved over on the videos was audio because I got a nice, basically the same microphone used for the podcast is over on the on the uh, videos now, and now the videos are even better with this new <laughs> setup. So let's thank our heavenly Father for that because it's because of Him we got this. Um, now, what you guys don't know is when I go throughout my day, sometimes got to put the urge on me to go somewhere and all day today I kept going I gotta go to the pawn shop I, and I have no idea why like every time it's always something like that I stopped in and that record camera that you're watching me on now was sitting there on sale and several times I've stopped in there and found cameras and the people they're honest they're like, I don't know we looked this one up and it works for exactly what you're seeing right now which is it's running to my computer which is right here and recording this through my computer so there you go um, so let's thank our Heavenly Father for all these great things Heavenly Father we come to you like we do each week just to say thank you thank you for giving us breath to breathe thank you for giving us food to eat water to quench our thirst the water of your word to quench our thirst spiritually and to feed us spiritually and to let us know how much you love us Father we thank you for your love letter to us, the, the Bible. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who all those years ago died so that we can have this close personal relationship with you. 
Father, you're such a wonderful, loving God, and we, we just, like I said, Father, we just want to say thank you for that. Thank you for always being here for us. Thank you for always showing us that you love us and care for us. We thank you in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. 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 Now, if you, uh, if this is your first time tuning in, you, you, you probably don't know this, but what we do here is we take a book of the Bible and we break it down verse by verse, chapter by or <laughs> chapter by chapter, and verse by verse. Um, and and we're currently in Genesis, uh, Genesis chapter thirty-five. Um, now, um, we're just going to hop right on in there because you probably remember where we stopped last week, right? With um, we were reading about Jacob and Esau, right? And um, and we ended where I was telling you how, you know, Jacob was was leaving and he left Esau. So let's just go right. On, let's just dive right on in there. Genesis chapter thirty-five. We're going to read the entire chapter. Like I said, this is God is sending, he's sending Jacob to, to Bethel. So, and God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there, and make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. Then Jacob said unto his household and to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you, and be clean, and change your garments, and let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make there an altar unto God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and was with me in the day which I went. And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand, and all their earnings which were in their ears, and Jacob hid them under the oak which was by Shechem. And they journeyed and they journeyed, sorry, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were round about them, and they did not pursue after the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to Luz, which is in the land of Canaan, that is Bethel, he and all the people that were with him. And he built there an altar and called the place El Bethel, because there God appeared unto him when he fled from the face of his brother. But Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died. And she was buried beneath Bethel under an oak, and the name of it was called Alan Bakuth. And God appeared unto Jacob again when he came out of Paddan Aram and blessed him. And God said unto him, Thy name is Jacob. Thy name shall not be called any more Jacob, but Israel shall be the name be thy name, sorry. And he called his name Israel. And God said unto him, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall be of thee, and kings shall come out of thy, lo thy loins. And the land which I gave Abraham and Isaac, to thee I will give it, and to thy seed after thee, and I give the, will I give the land. And God went up from him in the place where he talked with him, and Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he talked with him, even a pillar of stone. And he poured a drink offering thereon, and he poured oil thereon. And Jacob called the name of the place where, he, where God spake with him, Bethel. And they journeyed from Bethel, and there was but a little way to come to Ephrath. And Rachel tra travailed, and she, had, and she had hard labor. And it came to pass, when she was in hard labor, 
that the midwife said unto her, Fear not, thou shalt have this son also. And it came to pass, as her soul was in, was in departing, for she died, that she called his name Benoni. But his father called him Benjamin. And Rachel died and was buried in the way to Ephrath, which is Bethlehem. And Jacob set a pillar upon her grave, then is the that is the pillar of Rachel's grave unto this day. And Israel journeyed and spread his tent beyond the tower of Adar. And it came to pass, when Israel dwelt in that land, that Reuben went and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Israel heard it. Now the sons of Jacob were twelve, the sons of Leah, Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, and Simeon, and Levi, and Judah, and Issachar, and Zebulun, the sons of Rachel, Joseph, and Benjamin, and the sons of Bilhah, Rachel's handmaid, Dan, and Naphtali, and the son of Zilpah, Leah's handmaid, Gad, and Asher. These are the sons of Jacob, which were born to him in Padan Aram. And Jacob came unto Isaac his father, unto Mamre, unto the city of Arba, which is Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac sojourned. And the days of Isaac were a hundred and fourscore years. And Isaac gave up the ghost and died, and was gathered unto his people, being old and full of days. And his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. Alright, so again, if this is your first time joining us here, what we do, we read the entire chapter like we just did, right? And then we go back and we reread the first verse. And we uh, work our way forward. Chap verse 1 says, And God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, and dwell there, and make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. So it starts off with, And God said unto Jacob. So, so God is speaking to Jacob while he's you know in great distress right and we read as just like we read last week remember that that's one of the reasons i didn't want to start off this one with, while talking about it, it was, i'm done with that because last week we saw his sons they slaughtered all of those uh, those shechemites remember and, and like i said he did not know you know what to do i mean he had to keep his family safe now and, and then here we see our lord god he comes to him and he comforts him he gives him a um a, a, he gives him direction, if you will. He appears to him and he speaks to him. Now, again, I feel like I just have to say this. You know, was it a dream? Right? Now, was it a vision that he, that he, he put an impulse in, in his mind? You know, like I was talking about earlier. You know, did, did he come to him as a voice? Because like, like I told you guys before, I've heard his voice audibly. You know, there's so many different ways that God can come to him, and and, and I I don't know, I, you know, he could have come to him in any different, any form or way that he wanted to, you know, maybe maybe it was Jesus who come to him, I don't know, you know that's because Jesus is of course that second person in the Trinity, right? And 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 so he could have appeared to him in human form, where well, he's done it before, he did it quite often. I, and the reason I say that is because. As you'll see later, we see him speak to God, you know, like he's another, you know, like he's another divine person, you know, distinct from himself, okay? Even as his divine father, right? He, he says, arise, go up to Bethel, 
and dwell there. Now Bethel is, is said to be about 28 miles from Shechem. And he tells him to go there quickly. It's suggested that he would be safe there. And, and, and that it would be right and proper for him to, to stay there for a little while. Bethel, like I said, I've told you before, that that means the house of God. And we know it was there that we earlier saw God confirm the Abrahamic covenant to Jacob about 30 years back in chapter 28. Well, we're not going to go read all that because there's a lot of verses, but it's chapter 28, and you can read that in verses 10 to 19. Now, the verse, back to our verse here, it says, and make there an altar to God. Now, to make an altar, right, also to make a sacrifice to him, to to praise him, right, for salvation and, and deliverance. You know, to pray to him for, for present mercies as well as future mercies. You know, the ones that he he's going to need to pray the vows that he had made, right, or I should say pay the vows that he made uh, even to that God. And, and, and he says that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau, his brother, right? Remember, Esau, Esau resented the fact that Jacob received the blessing and the birthright. And, and then he threatened to kill him, right? And, and this, of course, is what obliged, <laughs> for lack of a better word, Jacob to, to flee from, from his father's home, to, to go into Mesopotamia, and it was, you know, while he was fleeing, he, while he was running away, that we see God come to him. And, and it was right there at that spot that uh, Jacob called Bethel. And, and have him, you know, and God gave him many, many precious promises. It was right there on that spot again that Jacob made that, that solemn vow a vow that you know God would be his God, that God would be with him and keep him and give him food and raiment, all that stuff, you know, and of course return him to his father's home. the The pillar that was there was that was right there then should be God's house, right? As well as he he should be, like I said, Jacob's God. Now by this point, I do want to point out Jacob. He's He's been in the land of Canaan now for about, what, nine or ten years, right? And he had done so much, and he was now more abundant, right? He's got a lot more, but he still had not returned to Bethel yet. He has not made good on that vow that he made before. Now, had he forgotten about it, you know? Was he just neglecting it? Now, Jarky, Jarky thinks... That what we're seeing here is God chastising him. Because, of, you know, it was hard to believe that he would just, oh, forget. Or that he would neglect a vow like that. That he would, he would, he would want that opportunity to, to go there and do this. To, you know, or, or maybe he waited for a divine order. And now here he was getting it. So he embraces it, right? And I know I've said this a lot of times before. And several times today already <laughs> but i'm going to repeat it again what does bethel mean bethel literally means the house of god okay it's god 
who's going to protect Jacob and his family and has done it so far. As long as Jacob obeyed the commandments, he's going to find safety in God, right? Even when danger is everywhere that we look, God will protect us. He reminds Jacob here, worship me, okay? And it's no, it's no longer safe where he was, remember. He, so he moves without now... I want you to pay attention as we move forward because we see that move to Bethel. We see that it uh, necessitates some spiritual preparation on the part of Jacob and all his, his servants and his children. Okay? The possession of idolatrous symbols like that, like that, um, those figures, you know, amulets, if you will, some kind of cult charms like we saw in verse 4 rings in their ears all of this was gonna was not gonna be tolerated anymore and yes that also includes what have you forgotten about that teraphim that rachel took from her father idols were to be buried out of sight they had to these people they had to bathe they had to change their clothes and all of it cleansed them from the defilement by uh, by idolatry and consecration of, of the heart towards the Lord. Like I said, it's been about nine, maybe ten years since um, they came into Canaan. And he had more than enough time now to clean up, you know, all those those traces of idolatry. So let's look at uh, verse 2 now. Then Jacob said unto his household and to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you and be clean and change your garments. Now look at the start of the, the opening of this verse because we see what we see Jacob says. It says, then Jacob said unto his household. So this means that he's speaking to everyone, his wives, his children, all of them. And then the verse says what? It says, and to all that were with him. That would include who? His servants. Right? The men and women who worked for him. That would also include any and all of the captives that uh, came from Shechem that, you know, let's face it, guys, probably decided to stay with him. And then the verse tells us, it tells us what he says. It starts off with, put away the strange gods that are among you. And I think this is, I, I should say, I do not think He's speaking of the teraphim or the images of Laban that Rachel took, okay? Because I think that this is more to do with that Shechem massacre that we saw last week, okay? You know, as well as I do, that the ones that the Canaanites' servants might have, you know, all those Canaanite servants probably took when they were um, killing those people. Because remember... They took a lot of stuff from them, and they probably brought these with them, you know, when, when Jacob took them in, as well as the ones among the captives of the Shechems as well, or, like I said, the ones that they took as spoils of war. In fact, when you look at the Targum of Jonathan, it calls these idols the idols of the people, meaning the ones that they, they brought with um they brought away from the temple in Shechem. So, in that way, you could change this verse to mean 
or change the meaning of this verse to the gods of the strangers, okay? Meaning the Shechemites, because they were, of course, you know, heathens. They were alien to, to the Jewish people. Strangers to that one true, to our one true God, the knowledge and the worship of him, okay? And then we see this. Read this part again because it's very important. And be clean. Of course, I'm not going to argue this point. That could mean a lot of different things. I saw where some took it to mean, you know, they were to abstain from their wives. And where do they get that from? Exodus chapter 19, verse 10. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes as well as washing their bodies, which I agree with. All right, uh, so does Aben Ezra. Think about it. They were massacred by the, or they had just massacred those Shechemites, right? So their hands, they, they would have been covered in blood. They needed to wash, they needed to wash up. They needed to be purified. That's what the Targum of Jonathan says. From the pollution of those that you know those those stains they had to do this before they were allowed to go into Bethel which is what the house of God right and this right here this washing that's an outward sign of an inward cleansing like baptism also of the the reformation of life and manners now I want you to take a look at something with me Isaiah chapter 1 verse 15 And when ye spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when ye have many, when ye make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. So he also back to our verse here. We also see him say, "And change your garments." Again, again, this one goes back to the staining because of all the blood from the people they killed. Right? They had to remove their clothes. They had to change into clean clothes. Now, because of that. Because if they would have went there with them dirty stained clothes on, they would have not been proper for them to appear before God. Or, 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 hey, you know what? What if they weren't stained up? Maybe the clothes were old, worn out, torn, sordid, sleazy, right? So when they changed their clothes and, and, they, and they washed them, that would be a symbol of what? Renewing of their minds. The cleansing of the soul. A change of heart right also a pleasure and delight right basically appearing cheerful in the way that they appear before God I want you to remember this okay last week what did we see 
we saw Jacob, well, we saw his sons. They were they took women and children of heathen people captive. So what do we see? We see God tell Jacob, clean up your house. Clean your house. <laughs> right? Rachel, of course, she still had these idols that she took from her father, which is most likely I, I, I really doubt Jacob knew about it. She probably kept it hid. And then, of course, these women here were, these women of Shechem, they also worshipped pagan gods. Now, Jacob is speaking of them, or I should say speaking to them, like an oracle of God. He tells them to do what? Put off those idols. Put on new clothes. Clean garments that God sees as acceptable. And, and you could even argue that it's symbolic of us washing away our sins. So, and like I said a little bit ago, this could be just like John baptizing people. When he taught them also to, you know, he probably pointed to this. This right here, the, the, this moment in the Old Testament, and that, that could be seen as symbolic, right, of what he did. So let's go to verse 3 now. What do we read? And let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make there an altar unto God, who, who answered me in the day of my distress, and was with me in the day which I went. So, look, look at the start of this verse again. And let us arise and go up to Bethel. They had prepared, right? They had, they had, they had purged themselves, gotten rid of all these man-made idols. They washed themselves in pure water. They were now wearing clean or new garments. All of those symbolic things that I just spoke of, all of this freed them from the idolatry and evil deeds that they had committed. They, they were now like someone on their way to see God in his house so that they can worship him. I want you to take a look at a verse with me. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 22. Let us draw near with the true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Right? Amen? Now, back to our verse. It says, I will make there an altar unto God. This is what he was directed to do. Right? It's what, he, what God told him to do. To build an altar, to make a sacrifice. Amen? To, to worship. To give a tenth of what he promised, you know, to give what he promised, that tenth of everything that was his. And when he does this, it makes Bethel a house of God in truth, for real, right? Just as he vowed to do back in chapter 28, verse 22. Take a look. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all the, that thou shalt give me, I will surely give thee tenth unto thee. The verse says, Who answered me in the day of my distress? And this is talking about when he fled from his brother's wrath, right? 
then we see what? And was with me in the day which I went. Meaning, back when he left his father's home, right? When he was headed towards Padan Aram. Remember, during that long journey, he was alone. He was destitute. He had nothing with him. He was exposed to a lot of different things, to very, you know, a lot of difficulty, a lot of danger. But, as we saw, God was with him, just like he's with you, just like he's with me. God is always with him. He preserved him. He, he directed him. He, he brought him to the house of Laban where he did what? He found safety. And that was about 30 years ago at this point. Jacob found God at Bethel. It was right there that he entered into God's presence where he found help. Right? He wanted to go there. He wanted to make an altar. He wanted to seek God's help once again. Amen. Verse 4, what do we see? And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand, and all their earrings which were in their ears, and Jacob hid them under the oak, which was by Shechem. Now, now that we now that we've read this, you know, with Jacob putting away these false gods, or as the verse calls them, strange gods, this shows us that that Jacob desired to have a, a exclusive devotion to the one true and sovereign God. Now, let's take a look at something with me. Exodus chapter twenty, verse three. Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Now the earrings that we see mentioned here, those were uh, probably amulets that they would have used in in their idol worship right again take a look at exodus chapter 32 we're going to look at verses 2 and 3 and aaron said unto them Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. And all the people break off the golden earrings which were in their ears, and brought them unto Aaron. Now, later on, when you honestly think about it, this is similar to when Joshua demanded the removal of foreign gods when he renewed the covenant, right? We see that in several different places. We'll take a look at some of them real quick. Joshua chapter 24. We're going to look at verse 2. And Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in the old times, even Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. Now look at verse 14. Now therefore fear the God, fear the God, I'm sorry. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And then verse 23. 
Now therefore put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you, and incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. Now I want you to look right back to our verse that we're in right now. I look at, look what it says. Oak which was in Shechem. This is very important because this was probably the same trees that would have been there back in the days of Abraham in, in chapter 12, verse 6. And Abram passed through the land unto the place of Sikkim, unto the plain of Morah, and the Canaanites was in was then in the land. Now, the way that this verse reads, it, it makes it to me sound like there were a lot of false gods among them. And it sounds like they, they gave all of them to Jacob. Back to the earrings. I want to talk about that a little bit more because I don't think, like I said, that they were just any old earrings. Okay, I, I really don't. I think that they were; these were probably symbols, you know, of, of the gods that they that the, each one of them worshipped. We see Jacob either he either destroys them, you know, maybe puts them in fire, destroys them with hammers. I don't know, but he just he does something with them. Maybe he just burned them, buried them, I should say. Now, I want you to notice, though, that we don't see him give them to anyone. Okay? And he also did not sell them, did he? We don't see him give them to anyone. He doesn't sell them. Now, this is something that all of us, you, me, you know, Jimmy Swagger, I don't care who, can learn from this. As a Christian... We should not cling to false gods. When we clean our house, we all have things in our life that we cling to. Uh, we feel that we just cannot live without these things. We should get rid of them, toss them aside, throw them in the trash, slam them with a hammer. I don't care. Get rid of them. People laugh when they hear some of, some of those old school preachers preach things like rock music is evil. Or... You know, a statue of Buddha, or even Gabriel Morth, the famous exorcist one, he talked about Harry Potter. Whatever it is. But there are people who cling to these things. Things like horoscopes, whatever it is. The person might say something like, um, I'll give you a, 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 a an example here. I hear people say it all the time. I can't relax unless I hear this song. Or I can't relax if I don't listen to that type of music. I, <laughs> I can't relax without my cup of coffee. Right? They, they, anything. I can't go throughout my day unless I read my horoscope. People do these things. Those type of things are idolatrous. When you say, I can't do it without it, that is an idol. And then you have, even your job, there are people, your job can be an idol. Just like that friend that I've spoken of on here many, many times, and he probably has listened a couple of times. You know, he allowed his job to come between him and his wife. It destroyed their marriage. 
If the item is something that can be destroyed, like a statue of Buddha, or a book on horoscopes, whatever it is, destroy it. Get Just obliviate the thing. The Bible makes it clear that a house that is divided against itself will not stand. You cannot serve God and some false God at the same time. There are, there are people who, 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 who claim to be Christian who still go to the Buddhist temple. You cannot do this. God is not going to share you with some false God. He wants either all of you. He wants your loyalty. He want, and he wants your loyalty be, to be without question. Do you understand that? Now, I know this sounds silly, but I'm dead serious here. There are people who say they're Christians, but they will cling to things that they, that because of them clinging to it, elevates it to godhood. Do away with those false those do away with those idols in your life. Destroy them. Anyway, I've gone off on a little bit of a tangent. Let's get back to what we're talking about here. <laughs> we do not see the idol that Rachel took mentioned here at all. Do you notice that? But the verse does say all of them. And that all of them were given to Jacob. So that, in my opinion, had to have been one of the ones that was given to him. Verse 5. And they journeyed, and the terror of God was upon the cities that they were round about them, and they did not pursue after the sons of Jacob. It starts off with, and they journeyed. So the ones that are they, of course, is Jacob and his family, and of course, everyone else that was with him. They all journeyed from Shechem to Bethel, you know. And then we see this mentioned. The terror of God. This would be a fear that was induced on the people supernaturally, of course. This fear was, if you read it, given to the people of the cities that they were passing through, which, of course, made Jacob's fear of retaliation inconsequential it didn't he didn't have to be afraid take a look back at chapter 34 which is what we read last week verse 30 it says and Jacob said to Simeon and Levi you have troubled me to make me to stink among the inhabitants of the land among the Canaanites and the Perizzites and I being few in number they shall gather themselves together against me and slay me, and I shall be destroyed, I and my house. So, basically, God, you know, who is the divine protector of Jacob, he intervened. It's exactly what we see here. And he gave Jacob and his people direction, and he, of course, defended them. That is what we read there when we see a terror, the terror of God was upon the cities and they did not pursue after the sons of Jacob. So these heathen people, they could tell that God was protecting Jacob and his people and that caused them to be afraid to attack them. And they let them go. Verse 6, 
So Jacob came to Luz, which is in the land of Canaan, that is Bethel, he and all the people that were with him. So Jacob came to Luz, that's how the verse starts off, which is in the land of Canaan, that is Bethel. If you remember what we read earlier, Bethel was originally called Luz. We saw that back in Genesis chapter 28, verse 19, right? Here, we see that it is in the land of Canaan, right? And that basically means that it was habited by the people that are called Canaanites, okay? It's said here to, and the reason it's said here is to make sure that we know that this is a different Luz, all right? I hope you understand that. And it's one that's in the land of the Hittites, Check it out. Judges chapter 1 verse 26. Pages are stuck together again. And the man went into the land of the Hittites and built a city and called the name thereon Luz, which is the name thereof unto this day. Now this verse says the one we're in <laughs> it says he and all the people that were with him and that of course means his wives, his children you know, all of his servants whoever came there with him so we know that they all came there safely no one molested them, no one tried to kill any of them, no one attacked them robbed them or anything. Alright verse 7 and he built there an altar and called the place El Bethel because there God appeared unto him when he fled from the face of his brother. So it starts off telling us that he built there an altar. He, he, did, he did just like he promised that he was going to do. And also, just as he promised that, or I should say just as God told him to do, right? He did this out of worship. He fulfilled the vow that he made. He also did what? He renamed that site. He reconfirmed his allegiance with God. And God also reaffirmed his commitment to Jacob, didn't he? He did it by reappearing to him, by repeating the change of the name. He also restated that promise that he made to Abraham. When he named the, you know, when he when when Joe's, when Jacob named that place El Bethel, that of course means God of the house of God. I love that. He this, by when he does that, he gives witness to God's sovereign faithfulness, and of course he does it in response. We see Jacob repeat that right, that right that he made, you know. The one, I should say, the one he, he promised he would do, right? Back when he first met God. And he reaffirms the name. We read, because there God appeared. Or, if you, want to, if you want to change it, the divine persons. Okay, because both of them are there. It's plural. The Targum of Jonathan, he, he, what he says is the angels of God. Abinezra also says the same thing. But, but here, there's no doubt that he's speaking of the divine being, that he appeared. 
the verse then says, unto him, right? To Jacob, here in, here, right here in this place, just as he went towards Mesopotamia. And uh, God comforted Jacob, right? He, he comforted him by giving him a lot of different promises. And then the verse says what? When he fled from the face of his brother. Now this, of course, is speaking of Esau, right? Because Esau, he was mad at him. He wanted to kill him. So, of course, Jacob ran. He fled. He, he got out of there to save himself. And right here we see Jacob, you know, he's putting an emphasis on the fact that he's coming back to Canaan. He's returning. This is literally saying... L, right? It says, God told him. <laughs> he, he's returning back to Canaan just like God told him he would. I don't know, my mind froze for a minute. Now, L means God, right? And this is literally saying, God, the house of God. L, Beth, L. L, God, Beth, the house of L, God. Jacob, he, he built an altar there, and God comes and reestablishes his position with, you know, and Jacob, re <laughs> God comes to see him, and God, he, he re and Jacob reestablishes his commitment to God. Anyway, verse 8. I'm getting confused on my own self. Verse 8 says, But Deborah, Je Rebekah's nurse, died, and she was buried beneath Bethel under an oak, and the name of it was called Alan Bakuth. Anyway, <laughs> so it starts off with, But Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died. Now this tells us, something she died as soon as they got there notice that's the first thing if you remember we saw that a nurse had come with her when she married Isaac and right here we see that her name is Deborah check go back to ver chapter 24 verse 59 And they sent away Rebekah their sister and her nurse and Abraham's servant and his men. So, it's very possible that she had more than one nurse. Okay? Oh, my computer just acted up. Don't need that. Anyway, it's very possible she had more than one nurse. And and then you have to think, right? Rebecca's nurse. Rebecca's nurse. So that means when she left when Jacob left Canaan and he went to Padan Aram. Was she was she with her was she with him then or what? Anyway, the verse then says, and she was buried beneath Bethel. This would be at the very bottom of the hill, or mountain if you prefer, which is where Bethel stood. The verse then says, under an oak. Now, believe it or not, I did a little bit of internet search, and also I, I follow this guy on YouTube. If you guys don't, um, you should really go look at it. Expedition Bible. He, he does a lot of stuff, and he's got... A book out and I've, I've researched through his book and everything anyway I did a little bit of searching <laughs> and looking to see if there was any way that this had ever been identified 
And sadly, no. I couldn't find anything about this, you know, where this oak could have been. But I can only guess that there were many oak trees around Bethel. And when I say that, I want you to take a look at 1 Kings chapter 13, verse 14. 1 Kings. Chapter 13, verse 14. And went after the men of God, and found him sitting under an oak. And he said unto him, Art thou the man of God that comest from Judah? And he said, I am. Now go to 2 Kings. Chapter 2, we're going to look at chap, uh, 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 23. And he went up from thence unto Bethel, and as he was going up by the way, there came forth, forth, came forth little children out of the city, and mocked him, and said unto him, Go up, thou bald head, go up, thou bald head. Now also, I, want to point, I also want to point out this, that... Back then, it was not unusual, and yeah, even today, for someone to bury one of their loved ones under a tree. You know, if you take a look back at first, take a look forward back at First uh, Samuel chapter thirty-one. Look at verse thirteen. Having so much trouble finding that. That's one of my favorite ones, too. First Samuel chapter 31, verse 13. And they took their bones and buried them under a tree at Jabesh and fasted seven days. Now, anyway, back to our verse here. We see, and the name of it was called Alan. Like I said, I searched for that, and all I could find was that it means the oak of weeping. I couldn't find anything on it. But anyway, this woman, she was, she had to have been a good woman, uh, an innocent servant. Probably, she, you know, most likely she was held in very high esteem within the family. So I can only imagine how how much the family mourned the loss of this great woman. Now, to add to what we're reading here. I did, you know, I looked into some of the Jewish traditions, and I found where it says that an occasion of weeping, or if you prefer, an increase in the occasion of weeping, that this time Jacob received word that his mother Rebecca had passed. Isn't that, you know, sad? So when you look at the Targum of Jonathan, you'll read this. Their tidings were brought to Jacob of the death of Rebekah his mother, and he called the name of it another weeping. 
That's what Jarky says. Now, let me say this. I have no idea I have no doubt that his mother died, right? And that Deborah that when his mother died, Deborah came to him. You won't see that written anywhere, but this is just what I believe. I believe that his mother sent word to him that by this nurse telling him that, hey, it's safe for you to come home. But again, I want to say this, and the reason does not matter, right? If it did, we'll read it. So like I said, that's just what I believe that Deborah sent word to him through this nurse, or his mother sent word to him through this nurse, Deborah, that it's safe for him to come home. Anyway, if you want to remember one thing from this verse, it's this. Alan Bakath means oak of weeping. Verse 9. And God appeared unto Jacob again when he came out of Padan Aram and blessed him. So let's read that opening again. And God appeared unto Jacob again, meaning at Bethel. Okay. Just and just look what he what he did when he came to see him. He told him what? Ho there. Back in verse one, right? Or maybe you would rather I said this, the brook the brook Jabbok, okay? Where he told him the same exact thing back in chapter thirty two, verse twenty four. And Jacob was left alone, and there battled a man with him until the breaking of day. Jarkey, Jarkey takes this to mean that he just appeared to him again, meaning at Bethel, the same place. You know, the same place he appeared to him the very first time, back when he was headed to Haran. And this one would, of course, be the second time. You know, he appeared to him back then, he's appearing to him now. The verse then says, when he came out of Padan Aran, meaning when he returned from there. Then we see this, and blessed him. These are the same blessings as before, meaning he renewed them. He just renewed the blessings on him, and he confirmed them. If we look at Jarkey again, he says, with the blessings of mourners meaning because of the death of his mother and her nurse. Verse 10. And God said unto him, Thy name is Jacob. Thy name shall not be called any more Jacob, but Israel shall be thy name. And he called his name Israel. So it starts off with, And God said unto him, Thy name is Jacob. Jacob was the name that his parents gave him, right? It's the name that he always had. And then the verse says this. Thy name shall not be called any more Jacob, but Israel shall be thy name. So, not only would he be called Jacob, that's what Aben Ezra and Ben Malek says, but Israel, like, you know, this, he'll be called this as well, and that he would be, he would also be Israel. Not only him, okay, but Israel as well. Him and his descendants. It's kind of like giving him a last name. The verse then says, And he called his name Israel, meaning that 
basically God's confirming that this is your name now. This is the name that he had been given before. We saw that back in thirty-two, chapter 32, verse 28. He's also confirming that this was him. And he's showing that he prevailed over his brother, right? He escaped his brother's hands. So he would prevail over any enemy that ever rose against him or any enemy that opposed him just as he had the power with God. Now, some people like to think that the name had been promised to him before and now it's being given to him officially. But those same people are the ones that like to think that that was an angel he wrestled with before. You know, not God, but a created angel. And that when he was promised this name, in the name of God but we discussed this before there's very good reason to believe that that angel was Jesus the Son of God and here as well okay verse 11 says and God said unto him I am God Almighty be fruitful and multiply a nation and a company of nations shall be of thee and kings shall come of thee so it starts off with, and God said unto him, I am God Almighty. And since he is God Almighty, he's able to protect him. He's able to fulfill every promise that he makes. You know, when he supplied Jacob and his family with everything they could ever need. Now, I have seen where there are some who render this as God all-sufficient. <laughs> Because he had sufficiency. He has it in him to, to communicate with his people. Amen. He tells him, be fruitful and multiply. That carries a promise in it, doesn't it? Or some say a prophecy. Then he should, you know, that, that Jacob should increase and multiply. Even if it isn't him personally multiplying. He has one other son to be born after this. Remember that. But this is speaking of his posterity increasing and multiplying. Right? The verse then goes on to say, A nation and a company of nations shall be of thee. Or shall be of thee. A nation. Well, that's simple enough to understand. Israel, right? The ones that were named after him. And the twelve tribes. Remember? And... This is probably where the nations come from, because there's 12 tribes. The verse then says, And kings shall come out of thy loins. Well, that's, yeah, right? Saul, David, Solomon, and so many more. All of them were kings of Israel. Judah. Don't forget the most important king, though. The Messiah. You see, all of Jacob's posterity, they were kings, they were prophets, they were kingdoms of priests. Take a look at Exodus, we're going to look at chapter 19, verse 6.
and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. Now, the words of God here, the ones that we're reading for the first time since, since he made his promises at the circumcision of, Israel, of Abraham, this reminds us of what? Future royalty. Amen? Verse 12. And the land which I gave Abraham and Isaac, to thee I will give it, and to the seed after thee which I give, or, I'm sorry, will I give the land. And so it starts off with, And the land which I gave Abraham and Isaac, to thee will I give it. What land? Right? The land of Canaan, of course. The land that he promised to give to, to, to uh, Jacob's grandfather, Abraham, and then he promised to give it to his father, Isaac. He's saying that he would give it to Jacob. What he's doing here is he's renewing the grant to, 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 to comfort, to encourage Jacob in his faith. When he had been in danger of getting destroyed by the inhabitants of the land and um, obliged, if you will, to leave one part for another, the verse then says what? And to thy seed after thee will I give the land. Notice he says, give it. Meaning he would not only grant it to them, but he would put them in possession of it. Amen? In the process of time. Okay, so, so right, I want you to stop right here. I want to make sure that you, you notice something. This isn't a dream that we're seeing here. This encounter with God is taking place in the daytime. He is reaffirming the, co the, the covenant with Jacob. And also notice this. He's reminding him, you're no longer Jacob. You're Israel. And again, God Almighty, the unblameable, the perfect God, he is reiterating the blessing of Israel through Abraham, through Isaac. And this blessing is a never-ending blessing. Verse 13. And God went up from him in the place where he talked with him. And God went up from him. Now, what this should say is, from above. Because this shows us that he was, he was seeing this visibly. This, this was a visible appearance of God. Ankelos tells us this. Or the Shekinah, as, as Jonathan calls it. Or, as I like to take it, the Son of God in human form. The presence of God was there in, in, in a very visible way. He was looking on him. He either appeared, you know, kind of just above him there, or maybe right there in front of him, on the ground beside him. He, he conversed with him, just like we read. And then when he was done, he, he went up in a visible, a visible way, just disappeared. The verse then says what? It says, in the place where he talked with him. Now, was it above him? Was it, you know, beside him? 
Was it in front of him? It doesn't matter. Because either way, he was he was removed from him. He he stopped talking with him. You see, when God or any divine persons, an angel, whatever, when they commune with you, it's not constant. It's not uninterrupted. Well, I'm just saying, yeah. <laughs> it's, not con it's not a consistent, uninterrupted moment. He's going to converse with you just, just like when you would anybody. They'd walk up and talk to you, and then when they're done, they walk away. It's just kind of the same thing. Now, verse 14 tells us, And Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he talked with him, even a pillar of stone, and he poured a drink offering thereon, and he poured oil thereon. It says, And Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he talked with him. So right there where he was, Jacob, he set up a pillar. The same place that he was at before. Remember? It was right here in verse Genesis chapter 28, verse 18. Now, because of this, a lot of people, they think that it's speaking of that same pillar. And that it should be worded as had set up a pillar but but don't you think about this honestly just just take it take the time to to process it that was 30 years ago it's very possible that it was destroyed by some heathen or maybe it had been maybe some storm blew through whatever and knocked it over you know Maybe this was a renewal or repair of it, right? Now, as we said before, setting up a stone pillar, it, it, that was very customary. It, it, it's a way of, like, having a witness. So, so you could say that Jacob was just making it clear that, hey, I'm returning to God. Now, if you were to uh, meet me in person, if you ever needed me for deliverance, I tend to tell people, you know, Rebuild your altar. You know, where find you a place in your home to, to, to where you commune with God, where you read your Bible, whatever. I call it rebuilding your altar. And I, I get that from you know the story of Elijah. That's the same thing here. Because what he's doing is he's making it clear I'm returning to God, not just to God's house. What you're reading here is a turning point in Jacob's life. But it does make it sound like this was another pillar altogether. A new one. One that was most likely set up right there where that old one was. Maybe that old one is gone and he, he set up a new one. Right where God spoke to him. And this seems to fit what we read when, when we move on. Because it says, even a pillar of stone. A pillar of stone is made of several stones that were, you know, cut and then polished, and then they put them together. And when you look at the last one, it, it seemed, when you read it, it seems like that one was a solid stone, just very, very crude, very unpolished. It could have just been one of those, you know, one of these stones, maybe he, he polished it. I don't know. The verse then tells us what it says, and he poured a drink offering thereon. This would have been why. Because... Under Jewish law, that was what they would offer for a drink offering. And, and when he did this, he's consecrating that for, for, for worship. 
you know, for God's service. Aben Ezra, he said that it was either water or wine, and that he washed it with it, and then he poured oil on it. The Targum of Jonathan, it gives us a totally different possibility, because it says that he poured drink offering of wine, and an offering of water. Back to our verse, it says, and he poured oil thereon. So, just like he did before, this was the way uh, uh, that it was commonly done when you make a covenant. Now, verse 15, and Jacob called the name of the place where God spake with him Beth El. And Jacob called the name of the place where God spake with him Beth El. This is, once again, him confirming the name. The name that he gave to it before, you know, when he went to Mesopotamia. And now, now right here we see him returning, he's renewing it, he's establishing it, or maybe, and this is a possibility, okay, he, he, he establishes it to this particular spot, right? Where, you know, right here where God spoke with him, where he, he now had erected this pillar. And he consecrated it to worship. And he made it God's house. Just like he promised to do back in chapter 28, verse 22. Both the building of an altar for sacrifice and setting up a pillar, all of it was the beginning of the house of God. He recognizes God for, for all of his power, all of his might, and the blessings that he spoke on him. He saw him make an offering there on the pillar that that he erected oil and water and all of these would have been poured on the pillar that is all a, a special it shows a special appreciation to God I'm trying to make get that out right alright verse 16 and they journeyed from Bethel and there was but a little way to come to Ephrath and Rachel travailed, and she had hard labor. So it starts off with, and they journeyed from Bethel. We see no mention at all as to how long they stayed there. None at all. It just Now I did read where some believed that it was for four months. Anyway, we see they went to what they did there. as they're leaving. They're headed towards Bethlehem, which is about 12 miles from Bethel on the way to Hebron. Now the verse then says, and there was but a little way to come to Ephrath. And Ephrath is actually an old, an original old name for Bethlehem. We see that, we see it called that in later verse, we, we see it called that later in verse 19, as well as in Genesis chapter 48 verse 7. And as for me, when I come from Padan, Rachel died by me in the land of Canaan, in the way. Sorry, I can barely look at this. There we go. And as for me, when I came from Padan, Rachel died by me in the land of Canaan, in the way. When yet there was but a little way to come unto Ephrath, and I buried her there in the way of Ephrath, the same is Bethlehem. And then... Anyway, now, 
The famous traveler, Benjamin of Tudela, he was on the spot, and according to him, Rachel's grave is about half a mile from Bethlehem. I found that interesting. The verse goes on, and Rachel travailed, and she had and she had hard labor. So, so Rachel was she she started having those birth pains, and she started giving birth, and it seems that it just happened suddenly as well. So, this of course caused them to stop because remember they're traveling. So they stopped traveling, and it seems that by what we read here, she she was having a difficult labor. So, and it, in verse seventeen, and it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said unto her, "Fear not, thou shalt have this son." Also, so it starts off with, and it came to pass when she was in hard labor. So she was in the midst of it, at the worst part. And then, she, then we see that the midwife said unto her, "Fear not, since you know she's pregnant. It's very important to her that they have a midwife with them. And this also could just be someone in the fam. Very possible that this is just somebody in the family who, who knew how to assist with labors, right? And I think that this was." most probably what was going on because we see her her biting her to you know she's being she's given she's doing her best to give her courage she's telling her don't be afraid she's comforting her you know during her pain giving her hope and telling her don't worry it's going to be over soon and all that good stuff and that she's going to have a safe delivery the verse then says thou shalt have this son also meaning just like she did before and just like before, you know, she said, the Lord shall add to me another son, remember? And that was why she named Joseph, Joseph, and back in Genesis chapter 30, verse 24. What this does is it shows us she remembered that, right? So she does her best to, to comfort her. So, verse 18. And it came to pass, as her soul was in departing, for she died, that she called his name Benoni, but his father called him Benjamin. I want to make sure that we talk about the name, because I feel that that's the most important part to take away from this. She named him Benoni, and of course Jacob named him Benjamin. As she died, she named her son appropriately. Benoni means the son of my sorrow. But the, but Jacob, he renames him. He names him Benjamin. Benjamin means son of my right hand. And it puts him in a place of honor. The prayer that she made at the birth of her firstborn was answered. So this time we're going to actually go look at it. Chapter 30, verse 24. And she called his name Joseph and said, The Lord shall add to me another son. And with Jacob renaming him Benjamin, you know, son of my right hand, he's putting an emphasis 
on the positive side of it. I like to think that this shows Jacob had a uh, deep understanding of the, the right hand in its normal sense, as well as its place of honor. Take a look with me at Psalm 110, verse 1. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. It's 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 the right hand's skill, like we see in Psalm one hundred thirty seven verse five. If I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning. Um, also the right hand's soundness, like we see in Ecclesiastes 10.2. A wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart is at his left. Now, just in case someone listening to that doesn't understand, when we see the phrase, her soul was in departing, okay, what that means is her life, her life left her body. Jacob, he, he got his 12 sons, the 12 tribes of Israel, they're now complete. Like I said, Benjamin means the son of my right hand, or if you prefer, the son of my strength. Um, this is an interesting turn of events when you when you think about it. It, it. it had been 16 years, okay, since Joseph was born. Many, many times when an older woman gives birth, um, she has problems. I believe that what we see here is the outcome of Rachel stealing that idol from her father, as well as the statement that Jacob himself made about what should happen to the person who, who took it. Remember, because Jacob said, let him not live. And now, right here, we're seeing jo Jacob's most beloved wife, Rachel, die. Remember what I told you earlier. Ephrath is the ancient name of Bethlehem. And in Bethlehem, there's the tomb of Rachel, which it's up on a right up on a hill just outside of Bethlehem. And in fact, it's actually a tourist site now. Um, speaking of Bethlehem, Bethlehem's name literally means the house of bread. And it's about five miles outside of Jerusalem. Verse 19. And Rachel died and was buried in the way to Ephrath, which is Bethlehem. Um, it says, And Rachel died and was buried in the way to Ephrath, which is Bethlehem. 
It actually becomes known as uh, Bethlehem of Faith in Micah chapter 5 verse 2. But thou, Bethlehem of Phraith, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from ever lasting. Now Rachel, Rachel was held in, in great relevance um, in Bethlehem. And, um, they said that when the children of Bethlehem are slain by Herod, um, she's represented as as rising from the grave and weeping for her children. Uh, I want you to take a look at Matthew chapter two, chapter two, verse sixteen. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men was exceeding wroth, and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem, and in all the coasts thereof, for two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Now, as far as how old Rachel was when she died, we don't know. The Bible is very, very quiet on that. But... If you look at the uh, at polyhistor out of uh, Demetrius, he said that she she lived with Jacob for 23 years before she died. So she was how young how old she was when she married Jacob? I don't know, but she lived with him for 23 years, and then she died. So verse 20, and Jacob set a pillar upon her grave. That is the pillar of Rachel's grave unto this day. We see that it starts off with, and Jacob set a pillar upon a grave, meaning he erected he eh, he erected a sepulchre, a a monument <laughs> in her memory. Uh, now, according to Benjamin of Tudela, the pillar was made of twelve stones. Now, interesting when you think about it, because Jacob had twelve sons, and he used twelve stones. Um, and the and these and over this vault was a, a there's a supported by by four pillars, and this was um, this was there during the time of Moses, as well as in the time of Samuel, because of what we see in First Samuel, chapter ten, verse two. You think I'd get used to this? These thumbs holes, but I don't. Chapter 10, 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 2. When thou art departed from me today, then thou shalt find two men by Rachel's sepulchre in the border of Benjamin at Zilzah, and they will say unto thee, the asses which thou wantest 
to seek are found, and lo, thy father hath left the care of the asses, and sorroweth for you, saying, What shall I do for my son? And even later, there are some travelers who say that it was still there. And it would have been, like I said, one mile north of Bethlehem. Right? So, going on, verse 21. And Israel journeyed and spread his tent beyond the tower of Adar. So it says, and Israel journeyed. from Meaning from, now, from what we read, they stayed at or, or near Bethlehem for about two months. Now did you notice, this is the first time that Jacob is called Israel by Moses. Because according to the Jews, this is because he bore Rachel's death with patience. The verse goes on and spread his tent beyond the tower of Adar. This is a place that had pasture, and pasture that was, you know, fit for flocks. Um, and they're mentioned over in Micah chapter 4, verse 8. And thou, O tower of the flock, the stronghold of the daughter of Zion, unto thee shall it come, even the first dominion, the kingdom shall come to the daughter of Israel. Now, this is only about a mile away from Bethlehem, you know, to the south. I want to make sure you know that, because it's to the south. Another thing that I want to point out is that what I found while I was researching and I found this very interesting because this is well I want to make sure you understand this is according to tradition where we're, where we're reading about right here is where the flocks were what we're reading about right here is where the flocks were that the shepherds were tending during the, when they were informed of the birth of Jesus take a look with me Luke chapter 2 verse 8 And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Anyway, I found that cool. Um, if you did, let me know in the comments below because I know I found it really cool. Now, now here's something else pretty remarkable. When I looked at the Targum of Jonathan, what I read was, it says, the place from whence the King Messiah will be revealed in the end of days. Just think about this. That was written by a Jew who was saying that, I'll read it again, Targum of Jonathan, the place from whence the King Messiah will be revealed in the end of days. That's a Jew saying, anyway, <laughs> the name Edar, Edar means flocks. Moving on, chapter, verse 22. And it came to pass, when Israel dwelt in that land, that Reuben went and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Israel heard of it. Now the sons of Jacob were twelve. 
Let me get a drink of water real quick. My mouth's going dry. Now, let's count the sons. The sons of Jacob were twelve, as it says. This is after the birth of Benjamin, right? It, this, of, this all, of course, leads us to review the sons that were born outside of Canaan. We see one sad note here. When it tells us that about the sin of Reuben, it... it What Reuben did, the sin that he committed, it actually tainted him being Jacob's firstborn son. It looks... Let, let's look at something. Genesis chapter 4, verse 34. Or did I mean Genesis chapter 34, verse 4? I must have wrote that down. I wrote this verse down wrong. This has been a long time since I've done that. Sorry. Anyway, let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 30. Genesis, Deuteronomy 22, 30. Been a long time since I've done that. Deuteronomy. A man shall not take his father's wife, nor discover, discover his father's skirt. And then, 1 Chronicles 5, 1 to 2. Now the son of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, for he was the firstborn, but forasmuch as he defiled his father's bed, his birthright was given unto the sons of Joseph, the son of Israel, and the genealogy is not to be reckoned after the birthright. For Judah prevailed above his brethren, and of him came the chief ruler, but the birthright was Joseph's. Now Reuben's sin, his incest, it cost him his birthright forever. We see that he's replaced by Joseph, right? We just read that. Now take a look with me at Genesis chapter 49, verses 3 and 4. Reuben, thou art my firstborn, my might. And the beginning of my strength, the excellence of dignity, and the excellency of power, unstable as water, thou shalt not excel, because thou wentest up to thy father's bed, then defiledest thou it, 
he went up to my couch. Right? Now, First Chronicles chapter 5, we're going to look at verse 1 and 2. Nor the, now the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, for he was the firstborn. But for as much as he defiled his father's bed, we're reading this again, right? His birthright was given unto the sons of Joseph, the son of Israel. And the genealogy is not to be reckoned after the birthright. For Judah prevailed above his birthright, and he came to the chief ruler, but the birthright was Joseph. Now this right here, once again, gives us the concept of rank not origin like we discussed back in what chapter 25 the blessing of the messianic ancestry went to judah we saw that in genesis chapter 49 verse 10 we'll look at that again the the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come, and unto him shall be gathered of the people be. This act right here, this incest, if you will, although you and I have trouble understanding it, that way because you know we're looking going, oh well, it's not his mother it's his father's wife it's in according to the bible it's still incest if you sleep with your let's say you're a guy <laughs> you sleep with your brother's wife according to the bible that's incest if you're a woman you sleep with your husband's brother that's incest anybody related to your spouse or, or marries into your family is still family according to the bible it's still incest. I know that we today have trouble looking at it that way. But that doesn't change what the Bible says. What you and I think doesn't matter. It's what God says. Anyway, it's incest. And that is what we see here. We see that caused Reuben to, to become disinherited. Now, I mentioned this before, but you see... Because of God's calling on this particular family, they had to live a holy life. This sin right here was not only against that woman, but it's also against his father Jacob, as well as his 11 brothers. Now, you've heard me a few times mention this, but the Bible is not always was not always divided into chapters and verses. This verse shows that. Because the end here, it end, this verse ends with, Now the sons of Jacob were twelve. That would be better attached to the next verse. Okay? Take a look. Uh, we're going to into verse 23 now. The sons of Leah, Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, and Simeon, and Levi, and Judah, and Issachar, and Zebulun. Who are we reading about here? We're reading about the sons of Leah, right? Leah, of course, was Jacob's first wife. She had six sons. We see them all listed. 
and they're listed in order. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun. Simple. Verse 24. The sons of Rachel, Joseph and Benjamin, or as I like to say, Benjamin. Uh, we're reading about the sons of Rachel, right? And she was Jacob's next wife. Even though she was his first, his most beloved, with her he had two children. And those are, of course, are Jacob and, like I said, I like to say it, Benjamin. Simple. Easy to understand. Verse 25. And I like to say Benjamin because it makes her laugh. All right. <laughs> Verse 25. And the sons of Bilhah, Rachel's handmaid, Dan, and Naphtali. So we read about the sons of Bilhah. And you might remember them. Bilhah, she was Rachel's handmaid. And Jacob, he had two sons with her, Dan and Naphtali. Simple to explain. Easy to burn right on through them. So next verse, verse 26. And the sons of Zilpah, Leah's handmaid, Gad and Asher, these are the sons of Jacob, which were born to him in Padan Aram. This one is, of course, the sons of Bilpa, or <laughs> the sons of Zilpa. Zilpa was, of course, like I said, Leah's handmaid, and she had two sons with Jacob, Gad and Asher. I want you to notice, though, this one gives us just a little bit more detail. Did you notice that? It says, these are the sons of Jacob, which were born to him in Padan Aram. And these are all of them. Every one of them except for Benjamin. These are the greater, this, this right here is the greater list, okay, without the one that was born there. These are just the ones listed in general, okay. The reason, like I said, is that we're reading them because of, the birth of Benjamin as well as where it was and they don't list him and that is because there's no need to think about it why would you why would we make a mistake after all that we've read so far it's just to kind of remind us who was the mother of this son who was the mother of that son who was the mother of this son each one of the children and 12 is their number. Now, I want you to also keep in mind, well, I want you to keep at the front of your mind two of the, spun, the sons. That's Joseph and Benjamin because their mother was special to jo Jacob and most beloved to Jacob. Verse 27 says, And Jacob came unto Isaac his father unto Mamre, unto the city of Arba, which is Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac sojourned. So it says, And Jacob came unto Isaac his father. Do you notice that the verse does not mention his mother? That's most likely because she's passed. And since Isaac was alone and very old, his time, of his, his time and his death was getting very close. He, he might have sent for Jacob to come, you know, with his family to be by his side. Now, it's very hard for me to fathom this, but Jacob was home. He's home in the land of Canaan, and this was his first visit. It's been 10 years by this point, and, and, and 
He hasn't gone to visit his father yet? No. I, I, I think he sent for him. And, and the verse says, Unto Mamre, unto the city of Arba, which is Hebron. Now Mamre, if, you, if you've watched me long enough, you know is it's a plain. And it's named after a man who was a friend and, and a confidant of Abraham. Take a look at Genesis chapter 13, verse 18. Then Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto God. Anyway, near the plain of Mamre is a city, and that city is called Kirjath Arabah. And, and that literally means the city of four. And Arba and his three sons, so, so, so you could call it Tetropolis. <laughs> and it was, it was, of course, later called Hebron. Now, the verse says, where Abraham and Isaac sojourned, meaning that's where they lived. They lived there for quite a while. And like we, we just read about in Genesis chapter 13, verse 18, it was also, oh, I should say, it was about 20 miles from Bethlehem in the Tower of Adar as well, which is where we just read that Jacob was. Now, finally... We see Jacob come home at last. Verse 28. And the days of Isaac were a hundred and four score. Read that again. And the days of Isaac were a hundred and four score years. Isaac lived for forty more years after he made his will and he blesses his two sons now Jacob was now a hundred and twenty years old he was born when his father was sixty Joseph at this time would have been twenty-nine years old I want you to keep that in mind because Isaac lived for twenty years after Joseph was sold into bondage in Egypt You realize that? And we read here that Isaac was five years older than his father. Because Abraham, when I should say he was five years older than his father was when he died. When Abraham died, he was five years... You get what I'm saying. <laughs> verse 29, the last verse of the day, we read, And Isaac gave up the ghost and died and was gathered unto his people being old and full of days and his sons Esau and Jacob buried him and Isaac gave up the ghost and died that's what it says he died and his sons they came and they buried him in the cave beside his father and Abraham and his mother Sarah now the verse tells us and was gathered unto his people now again I want to make sure I tell you that this means his soul was gathered up with the righteous. And as we said before, they, his body was laid to rest with Abraham and Sarah. We see that he died while, it says, being old and full of days. We just saw and discussed 
how old he was, right? The verse then says, And his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. They laid him... Now, when they buried him, they, they took him and they laid him to rest in that cave, Machpelah, which, as you know, was near Mamre, which is where you know he lived and died, and is, of course, where his parents were buried, as well as Rebekah, his wife. Now, the verse then says, His sons Esau and Jacob... Now, the best get, way to get, the way that I best guess as to when this was, was, when I added all of, like I took all the timeline that I've made up, I came to this being in about 1885 B.C. So we can tell that Isaac's funeral brought the two sons back together again. Just like how Abraham's funeral brought all of his sons together, you know, Isaac and Ishmael. Like we discussed, Jacob's back home. He's finally back in the land of his father, and his father dies. This also fulfilled another part of his vow at Bethel. Remember, we read back in Genesis chapter 28, verse 21, it said, Return to my father's house in safety. Isaac, like I said, he lived to be 180 years old. And it's said that, it is, it is said, right, but death so many times. It, you can all relate to this. I, I know it. I've seen it. Death is what will bring us all back together. It will bring a family back together, even if it's for a short time. You know, two brothers who, who, who despise each other will sit together in peace and love. And, and they will discuss the memories of their parents. And sometimes, yes, there are arguments at funerals. I've witnessed it. But a lot of it, it's usually the only thing that will bring people together. When Isaac died, we see Esau and Jacob together burying their father. Alright, brothers and sisters, um, this went a little bit longer than I thought it would, but because um, it was a short one this was an hour and 45 minutes and I really didn't mean to go that long you probably heard my wife's phone ring that was my son James he, he, he was wanting, expecting me to come pick him up from work and I ran a little bit longer <laughs> uh, I had a little bit of trouble with this one it wasn't because of the camera I, well it might have been because of the camera because I'm not used to looking up here I'm used to looking here and I kept looking, at the cam looking for the camera here and it was confusing me so Thank you all for joining me here. I pray the Lord continues to bless and keep each and every one of you. And I hope to see you all again here soon. And, and I hope this that you guys like this view. This is more you can see me more. I'm, when I come over here to look at the Bible, you still see me on camera. So thank you all. God bless you. And I'll see you all soon. Thank you and God bless. You have been listening to Sermons in the Park with Rev. Jamie McCaskill. Be sure to follow us on YouTube, BitChute, and Rumble. And as always, thank you for listening.